0: everyone welcome to to flush. I'm JR, and i'm molly and if this is your first time joining us we thank you for being here if this is your 122nd time joining us because it's 122 episodes today um huge thank you and shout out for being such a loyal uh listener uh however if it is your first time or um,
1: or a relative
0: or a relative <laughs> yeah thanks mom um if it is your first time uh be prepared for I'm not sure what. That's how we roll with the show. We don't plan it. We don't rehearse it. Unplanned conversations between Molly and I. We've been married for 14 years, and we have four kids, one of whom, the four-year-old, is hopefully not going to disturb us, but we might have some
1: disturbances to the force. thank you. Mm -hmm.
0: Disturbances to the force. So, um, yeah. So I don't know what we have on deck today. We Um, are
1: recording, I will note this, we are recording on a Friday afternoon. We are. We've had to change our schedule around a bit because JR is now working at our local ski area an hour away, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every week, and we used to record on Tuesday afternoons. So...
0: If you want to know what I do there, I'm Ski Patrol.
1: Yes. Uh, did you watch that video I sent you speaking mm-hmm. of Ski Patrol? I
0: did, yeah. Did you see my response?
1: Yeah, you said you don't do anything quite like that.
0: We don't need to yeah. because of the tree wells. Uh, ski Patrol is training for Tree Well Rescue. And as with any situation where um, you're doing pre-hospital care or rescue work, uh, ABCs are always first. Airway, breathing, and circulation. So,
1: you guys, this video I sent Jr. it was somebody else had shared this video of Ski Patrol doing a training of if somebody gets stuck in a tree well. And if you don't know what a tree well is from skiing, it's when, when snow piles up, There can be a gap, depending on how the snow has fallen, a gap or a hole, basically, next to the trunk of the tree. tree. And in this case, it starts with a video with this guy putting on goggles, putting on, I don't know if he had a face mask on, he pulls his hood up, and then the guy recording it says, okay, this guy's preparing to fall headfirst into this tree well, and then then this guy is going to used his training to get him out and we've got this person on backup and I'm kind of thinking why is he need a person on backup well this is a place that gets a lot more snow than we have (laughs) our skier right now which is not actually that hard but this guy he goes in he's so he just he's wearing skis and this is a realistic issue if you have like somebody who's not a great skier skiing somewhere that's not well groomed and there's trees in the area they could get close enough to a tree that they fall in a hole like this and or imagining
0: and, if you if you're from a northern snow country you've jumped into a big snow drift and be like oh i might i might suffocate in snow
1: yeah so so this person goes headfirst into this tree well and disappears <laughs> Except his skis are sticking out. So the snow is, if he's a man who's five eight or 6 foot, this is at least 6 feet of air pockets and light snow right next to the tree trunk. And then the guy who's supposed to rescue him first has to establish the airway for him. Yeah. So he's digging snow out so this guy can breathe. <coughs> and then he loops a rope around the guy's boots and tries to pull him out. And the guy recording is coaching him, saying you know use your use your body weight and the fact that you're downhill from him and try to and that doesn't work this guy is so embedded in the snow and then he gets another patroller to try to help with the body weight that doesn't work so then they spend a couple minutes of video time digging this person out and then digging out enough so that then using the rope around the boots they can pull this person out and the the ski patrol guy who had been the model for it Cause out uh, and he goes. That was really uncomfortable, <laughs> which I imagine having your body basically buried in snow, except a little tunnel for you to breathe, and being upside down for several minutes would be really uncomfortable. You have but... to
0: not. You have to not panic. But yeah, we don't do that particular training, but we don't have to because the the basics. I mean, we would if we did have stuff going situations on, but like that. It's always ABCs airway breathing and circulation so you're making sure they can they can they can breathe their airway is clear and they don't have any major bleeding or you know you stop the bleed before you do anything else so
1: yeah. anyway it's a good time yep good time so anyway it's friday afternoon i'm drinking hot chocolate with whipped cream and titus sees me with and? the whipped cream and he goes wow you're really treating yourself and then i added some whiskey to it and he goes mom or dad mom's adding whiskey to her hot chocolate <laughs> that's fine thanks thanks titus you <clears> can I've have had at
0: least one beer today actually i had not two I had a, well no, i had one at lunch so um i'm mixing a hip-hop show tomorrow and we're all i'm doing a couple new things this is the artist's first live mixtape show so he's been pushing hard it's going to be a really i think a really good turnout and uh his studio engineer wanted to record everything so we've been uh We all went in early today to do our sound check, line checks, and all the things, and um, man, it sounds amazing. Anyway, he uh, bought lunch for all of us, the band and me, uh, afterwards, so we all went out for lunch and I had a beer. It was good. Tonight, you guys, we're watching, uh, over Christmas, we started watching the Star Wars series in chronological order, true chronological order, with the existing uh, movies that are out now, so that includes putting uh, Solo and um rogue one in between the sith and uh a new hope so we've made it through all those so tonight we're actually starting i think my current favorite out of the, all 11 of them um force awakens
1: which is what we're doing tonight
0: yeah i'm excited about it it's gonna be really good
1: cool
0: Yeah. okay there you go so that's what we're doing tonight after we're done with the show
1: Uh, I have a couple of sort of housekeeping things Mm -hmm. to share with people. First is for Elise's birthday a week and a half ago, I made a bacon fig jam to go on our hamburgers that she requested and got a lot of rave reviews for it. So if you're feeling fancy, maybe I think the next time you would have a food bringing occasion would be either the Super Bowl, if you're into that sort of thing, It's a little bit fancy for a Super Bowl snack, but you could do it. Or Valentine's Day. It would go great, actually, on a charcuterie board sort of thing. But you basically just cook bacon until it's crisp, and then you add figs. I used dried figs and then some water. Simmer it until you can puree those together to your desired texture. I left a little bit of bacon chunk, and the figs, of course, have those nice seeds that pop. Uh, And then you add brown sugar... I can't remember if I added, I think I added some onion, caramelized some onion, and then some bourbon at the end, like a tablespoon or two of bourbon, and then cook it until it's a jam consistency. I will send JR a link for a recipe, but it is phenomenal. Just spread on a piece of sourdough toast with a sharp piece of cheese, like a really sharp cheddar or the Beecher's cheese that Costco sells. Just the savory, sweet, salty combination of the cheese and the fig jam is delicious. And that's all I'll say about that. amazing. So anyway, make yourself some bacon fig jam and impress somebody in your life as well as don't just impress them, bless them. Because good food is a a delight. Don't just impress, bless. (laughs) That's actually a good hospitality quote. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you're not trying to impress them. You're seeking to bless them. Not don't impress.
0: Just... Bless. That's good. That goes for a lot of things. I could think even about, like, my mixing. You know, I'm don't impress.
1: Bless. Mm, we you should know? have shirts made.
0: Ser- serving the artist well. Uh, that's awesome.
1: Okay, so and anyway, I there's did. that. And then Alan sent us a video. I didn't video... have a chance to
0: read or watch the video. I did. And... He he
1: sent us <clears throat> on Telegram just me and Jay are not our Telegram group, the Bible Project's introduction to the Psalms, which I've watched some of their introductory videos to books of the Bible, and they're great. I don't think I'd ever watched this one before, but they do a really good job of describing the purpose and the overall uh, structure of the book of Psalms. And one thing that I got out of it that I had not gotten before, a lot of us know that the Psalms are divided into five books, and they go to the last book which is a handful of psalms that are all praises to look at the overarching to basically get the purpose and the message of the psalms and then they go back to psalms 1 and 2 which they say are not assigned authors which we I think we commented on that last week but but they say they were added on when the book of psalms was compiled Closer to the period of the exile or during the exile periods, so the book of Psalms was not, did not exist in the format that we have it now until well after David was used to doing it. So, Psalm 2, which I had been musing, if this was a psalm that was part of the hymnal of Israel, how would they have understood Psalm 2? And the Bible Project guys would say, It wasn't, it was not when David was leading the Israelites in worship with his psalms, Psalm 2 did not exist. Hmm. It was added later, and it is a specifically, according to them, specifically Messianic psalm, because it builds in worship and anticipation in poetic format on God's promises to David about a future descendant of his who would be a king forever, and then calls people to regard that future King, the Messiah, correctly. And they point out, which I think I did last week, that Psalm 1 begins with the word blessed or happy, and then Psalm 2 ends with the word blessed or happy. And so those are part and parcel of the same thing, a guide to living a blessed life.
0: Mm.
1: And they are an introductory framing piece from which you interpret So the rest of the book of songs. How
0: can this help us with with our daughter? (laughs) She sent me a text today. Uh she said what'd she say? Um she
1: What JR is referring to you guys? I'm
0: sorry for the trouble I caused last night.
1: Oh, she sent me exactly the same text. Uh you guys our daughter who has had trouble sleeping for months and we thought we had fixed it with a piece of sourdough toast before bed. She got her sourdough before bed and there was some wind outside and she's very afraid of weather, uh, weather, like wind and rain and storms and lightning and thunder and escalated and escalated in her fear, even though I sat, I told her she could sleep on the couch. She, I sat on the stairs next to the couch for several hours and she still didn't fall asleep. And then when I was like, Hey, it's my bedtime keep trying to go to sleep you she basically got hysterical and angry at us told us nobody loves her told us she has a terrible life uh and we were like (laughs) no you don't get to go there that didn't go you don't. you don't get to go there and um anyway i ended up I was on the verge of
0: locking her in a room and duct taping her. Doing things that would throw me get me thrown in jail.
1: Yeah, I don't know what we do about her. I don't know. I did I did tell her that she was gonna have some consequences today because the mixture of fear combined with the you know, there's emotions that you can't control. And there's things, circumstances you can't control, and I don't expect somebody who's 10 to have perfect control of all the things going on in her life. But there was a point at which she just wasn't even trying.
0: Mm-hmm. And she just let him. And I, we all get to those. I, you know, I have, I know we all have those moments where we just kind of just let ourselves go and be drawn into whatever emotional state we're in, which is not really a good.
1: Yeah. Idea. I feel like I should find her a video <clears throat> of like a cowboy who's, wearing his lasso wrong and gets dragged by his horse, falls off and gets dragged by his horse or something. <laughs> like, look, riding horses is great and it's fun and they're useful and uh, tremendously great when you're when you're riding properly. But if you fall off and you have a rope wrapped around your wrist that you shouldn't and it's tied to your saddle, uh, you're going to get dragged along wherever that wild horse wants to go. And... That is not a situation you want to be in, so you need to do things ahead of time in order to rein in, get it, rein in your your emotions before they run away with you like a wild horse. And that for sure happened last night. And I do appreciate she, of all of our kids, is the most repentant. She will often, she's the most... uh I don't know what the word i'm looking for is she's by far the one who gets carried away the most by her emotions mm-hmm. and does overtly sinful things against us and her siblings in her emotional swings but she's also the one who will come back the next day after a good night's sleep and say i'm sorry for what i said to you or i'm sorry for how he treated you or i'm sorry for how I soaked all dinner and made everybody's lives miserable because I was feeling selfish or left out or whatever, which happens regularly. But she's also the most repentant, which I want to encourage and let her know that I appreciate. And that even when she's in the midst of an emotional thing, she's safe and she's loved.
0: Yeah, I think I told, I respond with a text, I was like, I love you. We'll get through it.
1: Yeah, I'm not Uh, gonna say it's okay. So speaking of no, you don't you don't have to say it's okay. Speaking of balance of things that Christians have trouble finding balance in, you mentioned last week an article about confession, (laughs) and it piqued some people's interest in terms of just wondering what the gist of what you were saying was and what had bothered you about it. And so, do you want to? expand on that just as um,
0: I can expand on it a smidge um, and give you kind of just a frame because I don't I honestly don't remember it was the article headline it was on the Gospel Coalition I believe it was intriguing enough that it drew me in to read it uh, yet I walked away with the feeling that the solution was just Inadequate. Um, and I can't give you specifics because I don't remember, but I'll, I'll kind of break it down. Um, kind of the generics. It, what the author was talking about was it was um, was more of a state of being or a general uh, cons, a general perception or attitude towards life. And um, his answer with with this whole thing was simply, well, what we need to do is repent. And what he talked about wasn't wasn't quite as important as his as his solution because, to me, repentance requires um, there to be a specific wrongdoing to repent from and, and turn from. As
1: the catechism says, a specific act of disobedience. Spe- yeah. And it's
0: hard to repent from something that's really, really vague. So it's like, so I just, I need to just repent for being me? Like, that doesn't really, that doesn't, that's not helpful. And it's not... Specific. I recognize that we're all uh, sinners that have been unable to uh, save ourselves, but Christ took care of that. Um, And we're fighting against those those old man, you know, uh, those old ways, that sinful old selves. The Roman seven, yeah, the Roman seven. But those manifest themselves as particular sins. In general, our state of being has been has been accomplished and, and fulfilled. You know rescued through Christ. And I, so it's, I'm reminded of, I got an email from, um, I'll try to keep this vague so people in my world don't quite pick up on it. But I got an email from someone who is telling the staff that some of the department's uh, actions towards customers is highly inappropriate and there's no, um, there's just no room for this in the department. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's true. He said, if it happens again, disciplinary action or disciplinary actions are going to be taken. And I just, my, my, literally my first thought was disciplinary actions for what? Against whom? Like there was no specific offense there. There was no specific thing there. It was just like, this is what's going to happen. It's like, well, how do I know what I need to fix? How, I don't know what's broken. How do I know what to fix?
1: Which is actually a great, as I'm thinking about that with parenting, we have to help our kids put off, put on specific behaviors. We can't, I mean, you hear this in the parenting world in general, stop doing that. It, with little kids particularly, but I think with everybody, you, you can't just say stop doing that. You have to provide the gospel-based positive alternative. You can't just say, stop being afraid. You know, you—I guess what I'm—as you're talking, I'm thinking there's there's this little bit of truth. There's, there's truth in the idea that we can probably always confess more sin in our lives. Oh, true. And— you know, when we worked at Peacemakers, they used there was a saying that they would say a lot where if you have a conflict and one person is obviously at fault in the conflict and the other person is is the victim, but they also have contributed to this in, to the situation probably and there's a saying that sinners respond sinfully to being sinned against. So even if it's just in your heart, even if your res- your outward response was correct and there's nothing for you to necessarily confess to the other person, mm-hmm. I think there's a correctness in exhorting someone to constantly be checking their heart and their posture before the Lord. And to be reminded that, that all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags, And we're constantly turning away from the living God to serve idols and to find our fulfillment and our security and things in idols. And so even, I'm thinking of the catechism, Westminster Shorter Catechism question that we're on with the kids right now, which is so long and hard to memorize. It's what is sinful about man's sinful state. And the sinful, man's sinful state is twofold. And then this is where it gets really long and jumbled. But basically, it's original sin, which is the fact that you're born dispositionally at war with god and you cannot make yourself a friend of god by in your disposition of your own accord original sin is you're guilty through adam but also your posture against god is one of the the nations who rage in psalm 2 that's just your fundamental posture towards god before he changes your heart and then your the other part of what is sinful about man's sinful man's sinful condition is specific acts of disobedience. And so even if we have not committed specific acts of disobedience, we need to always be on guard against the old man creeping in and setting us up in our heart to ways that not just not just a war with God overtly, but ways that we're not trusting God, ways that we're, you know, as James says, anyone then who knows the good that he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. And so, are there things that we could, should confess where we're not actively pursuing the good? So, um, I'm thinking of uh, who wrote Martin Lloyd-Jones in his book, uh, Spiritual Depression. I haven't read it in ages, so much so that I just have this very vague impression. But for he was this phenomenal preacher, phenomenal minister of of God's Word, who struggled with depression for basically his entire career. And t- having people tell him, you're sinning against God by being depressed, cheer up, all these things that, that if you were to hand an article, I don't know what the content of this article was, but I know my experience in the Christian community has more often than not had something to do with either either over excusing how your soul is responding to depression. Like, oh, you know, we can't ask you, we we can't call you to disobedience, or to obedience. We can't call you to uh, all of these things that God calls you the Christian to because you've you've got depression. It's this is escape hatch for obedience for some swaths of the Christian world. And on other swaths of the Christian world, it's, well, just buck up. Just do do the good that you know you ought to do. Get out of bed. Stop being depressed. You're forgiven. Your life is good. God's blessed you. Go on and be good and confess where you're not trusting in God and confess. If you just confess enough, you will be lifted out of your depression if you're trusting God. And that attitude obviously is super harmful too. And I I don't think that people listening to us would say, oh, I've done that part. You know, I've told people, just buck up. But in your heart, or even in offering solutions or things like that, uh, does it come across that way, in a way that is hurtful? And I've spent a ton of time in the last couple of weeks studying... um. People who, well, for some of you guys, if I say the revoice crowd, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. But people who have been of our
0: listeners wouldn't. But
1: people who have been Christians in the Christian sphere for their whole lives, but have also struggled with same sex attraction, and the message that they get, and it's it's getting more nuanced. But I think the the pain and the fear residually are still there of you can pray the gay away or it's your fault somehow God wouldn't have made you be gay so somehow the choices that you made or you're choosing to be gay and there's this crazy constellation of different things that go on in a person's body and soul that result in experiencing same-sex attraction and this side of glory besides the fact that everybody's experience is different, just like the fact that everybody's experience of depression or everybody's experience of any form of suffering is completely unique to them. But this side of glory, we will probably not know what gave someone the particular struggle with same-sex attraction. And the I guess where I'm going with this, going back to your confession comment, is... I think that we as Christians can do a much better job of just very sympathetically listening to someone and encouraging them with the good news of the gospel without using the gospel as law. And what I mean by using the gospel as law is basically saying, because Jesus forgave you, you should. Because Jesus is so good to you, you should. You know, yeah. you know, you dirty, rotten sinner, isn't it? You know, aren't you so grateful that Jesus Jesus died for you? And I've become very sensitive to hearing that as the quote-unquote gospel at the end of a sermon where, you know, you're... It's, oh, man, this totally segues into something I've been lecturing it, the kids about almost, for the last it's two, two almost,
0: It's almost guilt-tripping you. Yeah, it's using... It's, it's, it, it, it I mean, it's
1: it, it's Jesus-juking people, but in more <laughs> sanctimonious language. Yeah. And it's not good news to say... You're a terrible person and Jesus died for you, so you should be grateful to him. N- gratitude never flows. You know, a grateful heart is never the result of being told to be grateful. <laughs> it's the experience of, of tasting and seeing that God is good. And so, I guess what I'm what I'm ultimately getting at is when somebody is saying, you should confess. If something, anything is wrong in your life or you have this vague sense of being emotionally off or... Your emotion, your relationally off with someone. Your first impulse should be to confess. Find something to confess, and on <laughs> that's
0: you nailed it. That's exactly what this article was kind of going for. Well, you need to repent. Just find something to repent because and this that'll is, fix it. That'll fix it. It's like, it's you, like flipping no. a switch.
1: On the one hand, yes, <clears throat> always be searching your heart for your idols and for the ways that you are um, seeking your satisfaction and your joy in something other than Christ. But you have to, I mean, if that's all you're doing, though, if you're constantly trying to clean house of the bad in your house without filling your house with what is good and true and lovely, that's Jesus saying, if you kick a demon out, he's just going to come back with seven more friends and the situation is going to be worse than it was before. Mm-hmm. What you must do in order to actually experience change and joy and fulfillment is is to taste and see that the Lord is good. And you do that by by partaking in his word, by partaking in a good relationship, by enjoying the good gifts that he's given you. And also, you do that with an understanding that you're doing all of that in the context of a fallen world. Where I was joking with our pastor on Wednesday night because he was like, "Oh, where's JR again tonight?" And I was like, "Oh, he's on his way home from work in Red Lodge again." And you know, and then he's going to work on Saturday night as recording or his music thing. And I, I don't really know that he should be able to call this work. And Stacey, <laughs> he goes, he goes. you know, yes and no. I mean, you hear people say, find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And those people just don't take into account the fact that we live in a fallen world. It's true. And he's like, I mean, 100%. it's kind of like true. saying marry a person you love and you'll never have a bad day of marriage in your life. No! <laughs> We live in a fallen world. That's hilarious. You you can't ever rid yourself of all of the idols in your heart. You're always going to be battling that this side of Earth. So either settle in and get used to the battle or wear yourself out and be constantly vexed at the fact that you're still having this battle. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, sort of, some of our raising our kids is getting them to settle in and be um, well-seasoned warriors who were in it for the long haul rather than, you know, I'm going to sprint this marathon and they don't even make it a mile, to mix my metaphors. (laughs) But you you get my point. So when I think of confessing yes, Martin Luther said what the Christian life is, what do you say, I can't remember. Anyway, Martin Luther said something about constantly repenting. Somebody can send us what the exact quote was. And it's true. But on the other hand, if you look at the life that Luther lived of constantly repenting of his sins and living in fear and never coming out of his cell because he was just paralyzed— emotionally and mentally by by his guilt, uh, that's no way to live. And he turned the corner and was a man of great joy and great quirkiness, but aren't we all? And when he when he actually discovered what the real gospel was, I have also been lecturing our kids a ton, turning the corner here a little bit, but I was triggered in this when I said, you're turning the gospel into a form of law in order to beat people over the heads with it and not actually give them goodness and hope and joy. Uh, On the other hand, our kids are memorizing, we are supposed to memorize the entire book of James for school this year. We. Are on the last five verses of chapter one.
0: You guys are all gonna be more spiritual than me.
1: Well, I I memorized can't, anything. I debated actually following through on it because it seemed like a lot of work, and then I was like, no, there's no, we can do this. So it's gonna take us far more than the school year, but I want to push okay. through. I mean, even
0: just one chapter is a huge. And do success. it. Well,
1: we're almost done with chapter one. Wow. At least I've let off the hook. I I have heard do key. She's the eight-year-old. You guys, I let her do some key ones. Lily loves memorizing scripture, and she's good at it. So she's the one who's really oh, wow. succeeding. And Titus, you know, I I'm I was really good one. in
0: Awana. You know, when yeah, you have so the get to get two jewels in your crown, how many, how many memory, how many verses could you memorize quickly and spit them out quickly in short-term memory? But then you to have get...
1: to like, in order to move on to the next chapter, you have to review successfully all of those.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I still anyway, had it down. Yeah, uh,
1: that was a great foundation. So anyway, uh, I'm going to actually look up what exact verse it is. So we're in James 1, and towards the end of it, in this section where James says, um, Be doers of the word, this is verse 22, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And for one thing, this is going to be a really hard passage to memorize because it's a little bit like Romans 7 or John 1 where you've got this turn of phrase that keeps getting turned over and over, being a doer, not a hearer, hearer, not a doer. A dear hero who forgets, a doer who acts. Anyway, there's a lot of that that's kind of tricky to keep straight in your brain. But what what caught my mind, and I challenged the kids on this, <laughs> maybe lectured them for about 15 minutes, and then the next day when we were reviewing it, asked them what it meant, and they looked at me totally blankly, and I was like, are we going to do this lecture again? And they were like, no. And I was like, we are. Uh, we're going for day three of this lecture in early next week because they still don't get it. But you all are going to get the lecture, too. Sweet. Why does James, in the New Testament, call the law the perfect law? And then, to push it further, he calls the law the law of liberty. We're talking about, I mean, James is a good Jew. So when you think law... He is, when, he's, when he thinks law, he's thinking Ten Commandments, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. He's thinking of all those things that for one thing, we say, Paul says, we're not under the law, we're under grace. And Paul also says, I used to love the law when I was a legalistic Pharisee. This is paraphrasing the mm-hmm. first half of Romans. I used to love the law when I was a legalistic Pharisee, and now, I, now I'm a grace guy, at the same time, we still love. We still look at the book of of Psalms, and we say this is the handbook for God's people, even New Covenant people. And we look at Psalm one nineteen, and we, with the Psalmist in one nineteen, are supposed to say things like "I love your law," "Ah, uh, your word is a lamp unto my." I mean, all of the different words are. Synonyms for law, right? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And um, is it Psalm nineteen? The law of the Lord is perfect. Um, what is it? Delighting the soul. Anyway, I, I mean, example after example of of the psalmist talking about how good God's law is, and and I think it's so important for kids for all of us, actually. Let's not leave this just to kids. For all of us who chafe at being told what to do and having boundaries set on our lives by other people. Don't tell me what to do. Uh, It is so good for us to lean into saying the law of God is perfect and it's a law of liberty. And here's the lecture that I gave the kids. I said, think about any of the Ten Commandments or all of the Ten Commandments, you guys have memorized them, and what's your gut reaction? Is it telling me what to do or is it liberating me? Is it guiding me into freedom? And they were like, oh, it's limiting what I can do. It's telling me what to do. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. It's a bunch of don't do's, right? The Ten Commandments and all of God's law are a revelation and a reflection of God's holy character, They are the number one instruction book for when God says, be holy as I am holy. And His holiness is good. We should want to be close to a holy God, which requires perfection. We should want to be able to enjoy that holiness, and we should want to reflect that goodness and that holiness in our own lives. And so the Ten Commandments are the very bare outline of beginning to embody the perfect and the beautiful character of God in our own lives. And we've recently talked some about the outworkings of some of the weirder stuff in Leviticus and things like that. But all of that is a revelation of God's perfect character. And we have to start with that question of who God is and that God is good and perfect and beautiful and should be desired more than anything else in our lives as we start to think about God's character or as as the law that God has given us because that's is first and foremost a revelation of his character to us and then it's second of mm-hmm. all guiding us into paths of righteousness for his same name's sake which is also very good for us. So I give the kids some practical examples like if you're um you know, if you're at a ski area and there are boundaries, can you can you go outside of the boundaries if somebody isn't watching you? Yes. Would you get in trouble if you got caught? Yes. Why do you think they have those boundaries? Well, it's for your safety. It's for your good. If you are skiing out of the boundaries not at our ski area right now there's no snow out of the boundaries you don't want to do that but um area. but uh a lot of the boundaries are there at a ski area because even if there's fantastic skiing outside of the boundaries it's not patrolled and it's not managed for avalanches and uh if you guys are skiers you'll know what I'm talking about. If you're not, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm nerding out on what I know. But uh in in a mountain range where there's tons of fantastic snow, you might be able to access a field of snow that nobody has ever skied that has this amazing powder, great lines through the trees, and it, it might look you. it might look like absolute joy and freedom and it might work out for you or it might kill you because the ski patrollers within the bounds i mean jr went to a avalanche i mean are you trained you have a jr got in the mail the other day you guys a certificate a certificate (laughs) from the atf our you know tobacco firearms A certificate that he can use explosive devices in managing avalanches.
0: Yeah. I got my explosive license. Yeah. and Avalanche management.
1: And and the thing is, is he has that if we had enough snow to actually use it. But he has that for the safety and the good of the skiers. So they can have a fantastic day on the mountain and never once have to worry about safety about avalanches never once have to worry about if i if if the mountain closes down and i've crashed into a tree well <laughs> <laughs> would somebody hear my calls for help and the fact of the matter is if you have gone out of bounds you should have to worry about that if you're not worrying about it it's because you're dumb or ignorant or any Just other dumb. less there's dumb people, people in the world yeah there's you're you're acting rashly, whether you know it or not, and um, and even if for backcountry skiers, there's tons of special training and rules and buddy systems and snow tests that they have to follow. And even still, even if you follow, oh, I watched.
0: Follow. I watched
1: a video on Instagram the other day, Jr. of a a snowboarder who was wearing a helmet camera and he triggered an avalanche. Have you seen this one?
0: I've seen a lot of avalanche videos. And he he
1: rode it out on top of it until like right at the very end the avalanche was petering out and he was up to his chest in it. But he would because he was on a snowboard he was able to like really stay on top and surf it out. Super lucky though. And he acknowledged that, but he he sent the video in to the avalanche people. I think it was in Colorado and reported the avalanche. But and he said, he said my buddies and I tested the snow and did all the things right before I triggered it's this true. avalanche. Uh it yeah, it is true. When you go out of bounds, you are always putting yourself at risk. And I think that's what I want the kids to understand is is you're safe within you're actually you're you're gonna be a slave no matter what. And I did actually target our child who is more run by her emotions than then she's able to restrain them, and I said, "Do you feel like a slave in moments when you're when your emotions are running away?" And she said, "Yeah, I've, I'm stuck. I I can't get out of that." And I, and I said, "You are, you are always a slave to something. You're either a slave to a good master who loves you and gives you good boundaries and wants good for you, or you're a slave to sin, which ultimately means you have a master who is Satan." who does not want good things for you, he wants to destroy the good that God has created. That's his goal in in life, if you can, Satan has a life. Anyway, that's his goal, is to destroy the good that God has created. So either you have someone who's helping you to thrive according to his design, and you're serving him who created you, or you're serving someone else. You're a slave either way. Choose your slavery, one that results in misery and death or one that results in joy and freedom in life and uh maybe the people who are listening to me will get this more than our kids but i feel like this is a lifelong lecture i mean this is this is what i teach i mean this is Canavox. this is what i teach people through Canavox: is operate according to your body's design for all the things for masculinity and femininity for sex Outside of marriage, whether it's same sex or opposite sex, <clears throat> in all the things, operate according to the design and you will still struggle because we live in a fallen world, but your path is one to flourishing, where struggling and being on a path to not flourishing is seems less ideal <laughs> than struggling while being on the path to flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't mentioned this to you, but way back in mid-December, I had wanted to talk to people about the hymn, the Christmas hymn, Joy to the World, Mm -hmm. and we asked Laura, who is our friend and symphony, I mean, one of the best violinists in the state, I have seen other people say that about her, Uh, and we asked her if she would be willing to play some pieces of joy to the world slash handles Messiah to what for us. And she sent us a short video and I don't have the papers in front of me anymore because that was a long time ago. And I just thought of this, but speaking of struggling in a sin cursed world, that's what reminded me of it. Uh, You guys, the hymn joy to the world is, is not a Christmas song It is a second coming song. And I think a lot of people know that even though we love it as a Christmas song, What I learned right before Christmas from a mom in our co-op is two things. One is that it was not written as a hymn. It was written by... Man, now I wish I had my papers in front of me. I think it was written by Isaac Watts. I'm Googling it really quickly because I don't want to be completely ignorant. Um, On
0: live podcast, pre-recorded live podcast.
1: Yeah. Okay, so it was written by Isaac Watts. Here's an interesting thing. He was trying to rewrite some of the Psalms in a specifically Christ-centered way. So he rewrote Joy to the World as, I believe, he was bringing Christ into, in poetic form, Psalm 98. And... You know, the trees of the world shall clap their... The, the trees still clap their hands or something like that. Uh, I'm going to give JR a link to the <laughs> article that I got all of this from. Perfect. Uh, because it is. Okay, just Google it. Psalm 98. And...
0: I will also put... The article, the link, and then I should cut that video.
1: Of Laura, of Laura playing it, it. I'll put it on her blog so as what's, well. So what's super interesting, you guys, is not only... So Isaac Watts wrote this as a poem, not as a song. And he's trying to bring Psalm 98 in poetic form, add Christ into it. Uh, it wasn't put to music for like 150 years, spitballing here. And then when it was put to music the guy who put it to music wanted to take pieces of Handel's Messiah and to, a, he, so he basically cut out chunks of Handel's Messiah. And those are the key moments the, that Joy to the World is most known for. So both, dun, 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 as well as, Those that are kind of the most famous Joy to the World pieces, right? Those are both right out of Handel's Messiah.
0: And Laura Laura plays this on the violin, and then I guess she told you later, she's like, I had never, I'd never picked that up. And the
1: other person, the mom who at our co-op who said this was Melody, who is a violin player and extremely educated in music. She had no idea either. She had no idea that Joy to the World was basically chunks of Handel's Messiah spliced together. <laughs> so nice. I feel far less ignorant. And as long as it's still, it's not really Christmas tide anymore mm-hmm. for those of you who are celebrating Epiphany and stuff, uh, the traditional church calendar. But it's still ish on the Christmas mm-hmm. thing. There's still people in the world with their Christmas trees up. So I feel fair. And throwing this out there. Besides, it's the second coming hymn, and we're all looking forward to the second coming. Um,
0: Easter is coming.
1: That's the resurrection, First not the coming. second. Easter comes oh, every yeah. year. And oh, Anyway.
0: Okay. I'm smart.
1: Uh, that sort of looped in, because he talks about the curse of sin affecting so many different aspects of our lives. And we press on in all the hard things. Whether it's our sexuality or our relationships or our emotions or hard a work position that is not 100% joy all the time. We press on in all of that while being mindful of our idols and where we need to confess, turn back to the living God for living water, and also just mindful that we live in a fallen world that's hard.
0: And when in doubt, just v- vaguely repent of being an a-hole.
1: No. <laughs> When in doubt, when in doubt, go to God's word and ask him to fill Ah, your soul with good things and do it with a good cup of tea and talk to a good friend. Do take part in God's good gifts all around, but primarily his word. And even if, even if you don't get fixed, so to speak, by going to his word, trust in his promise that his word does not return empty and do it anyway.
0: Yep. And with that, you guys, we're, we're at time. So we're going
1: to go watch The Force Awakens you, with
0: our kids. Yeah, it's going to be fun. If you want to send us a note, we'd love to hear from you. Give us your sh- thoughts. Uh, share some feedback with us. Share some stories. You can send us a postcard on our website at flush, all grammatically correct, dot .com or tb2f.com. Scroll all the way down. There's a little send us postcard option. You can send us an email at tb2f, the number two, at papamike.me, or you can do the number one way people like to message us and talk to us. You can uh, jump on our Telegram group. We have a private Telegram group. The link for that will be in the show notes. And finally, if you have a story you'd like to share or just something that you think would be fun for other listeners to have, we routinely and periodically share things from you guys on the show. So you can send us a voicemail. Record a voicemail at four zero six three one eight seven one three six. I screen all those calls. So unless you're Rachel, I won't pick up
1: <laughs> Oh
0: <laughs> yeah. Rachel, <clears> throat> throat> Rachel called she's like I was not expecting. I was leaving a voicemail. I wasn't expecting you to answer. Um so maybe you'll get a random to talk with me for fun. Anyway, um I think that's all I got babe. Oh Uh, We do have People Are Weird and Hard stickers on our website. Three bucks, great for a coffee mug, water bottle, your car, your locker door, your computer, um, whatever you want to put it on.
1: I don't think they're great for your car. They're too small.
0: Okay. They're not great for your car. People Are Weird and Hard. Good for everything except your car. (laughs) Um, I think that's it, babe. So while you're up working on pizza, I'm going to edit the show. And I hope to get it... Yeah, we'll get it up.
1: Cool. All right, see you in a few minutes.
0: All right, see you guys hopefully next week.